to On the Preds with me, your host, Alex Darty of A to Z Sports, and my co-host as always, Sean Smith, also of A to Z Sports. We are here to talk Preds and Preds hockey. Sean, what is going on? How was your Thanksgiving? Alex, I'm going to tell you, it was a good family Thanksgiving. I, I really enjoy the holiday. Number one, just because always can expect a good meal. And as I've gotten older, I've, I've come to appreciate preparing that meal of delicious and hearty food for my loving family. How about you? Yeah, great. A solid Thanksgiving. I think uh, no complaints. We had great food, great family, and my daughter turned six years old as well. So lots of events over the weekend. Um, But since we are here to talk Preds, one thing that did not happen over the last few days was any Preds hockey. Um, Because for some reason, a water main broke at Bridgestone Arena and... I was talking to someone with the Preds today about it, and it was, um, he said that basically it was extremely um, kind of inconsistent. Like part, parts of the arena were almost untouched by this. Hmm. And then parts were like three feet underwater with all the electrical parts of it destroyed. Wow. Um, and so like some people were like, oh, it's kind of like when it flooded in 2010, it really was nothing like that because the water came down and in right but from may when in 2010 the water came up so anyways um but it does sound like the predators so back up a second the predators if you haven't heard had to postpone two games in their schedule against the colorado avalanche and the uh, columbus yeah yeah columbus blue jackets um but it sounds like they are going to be good to go for tuesday's game against anaheim so um it's been kind of a strange few days, uh, obviously with the predators kind of having this uh, impromptu bye week. <laughs> um, but since our last show, um, as you can see on the schedule, we have on the uh, above Sean there, if you're watching on YouTube, which if you're not, you should uh, nine, nine and two, and they are in fifth place, but they've been idle for several days. They are since our last show, Sean, any guess, do you know the, the record of the Preds since our last show? They played five games. Any guess what what what's the record? What's their record in the last five games? You know, uh, three and two. Close three one and one. Okay, one of those was an overtime loss. Okay, overtime shootout loss. Right? No, overtime loss to Tampa. Yeah, going all the way back there. So they had a two one win over Minnesota. This is this is since our last show. Two one win over Minnesota. Five four win over the Islanders. 3-2 overtime loss to Tampa and a, a 4-3 shootout win over Arizona and then the 3-0 shutout to Detroit. And then two games canceled to slow, to flooding. So there's a lot of things to talk about, I, I think, uh, even though there hasn't been anything happened the last few days. I, I guess I wanted to start by just kind of throwing out – so those of those five games, the, the Minnesota, the Islanders, the overtime loss to Tampa, the shootout win against Arizona, and the 3-0 loss to Detroit. Do any of those games stand out to you right now for anything that you remember from those games specifically that you wanted to just go ahead and start off with? <laughs> I would just say that the uh, Arizona game was especially stressful um, for me specifically. So uh, <clears throat> that one really sticks in my memory just because of the the extra uh, responsibilities that fell in my lap and how complicated that can be as you, as you right. come down to the wire there. I guess for, for those of you that that don't know I'm talking about choosing the three stars of the game. Um, 
<clears throat> Sean, takes it, Sean takes it very seriously. It's a big deal I, for Sean. It is. I, you know, you're given, you, you grow up, I guess, you know, I didn't grow up at, at Bridgestone Arena, but a lot of people did. Um, but you, you watch these games, you go to the games and you see the three stars of the game at the end of the game. When the Preds win, you know, they skate out, they throw, I think maybe a t-shirt up in the audience. And then the number one star does a, uh, does a little <clears throat> bench interview. It's, it's a really nice little moment. Um, and you think about some of the more, uh, <clears throat> think about I can remember a game when Pecorine was the uh, the first star of the game I don't remember the specific event but um it was toward the end of his career they had a bench interview with him it was really emotional it was really you know those are good things and so you find out when you start covering the games that occasionally they're they're going to ask you to be responsible for the three stars of the game they want that in by like the last with, with like five minutes remaining in the third now you can imagine if it's a blowout either way this isn't a very hard thing to do um, but when it's close like that, when it's a tie, there's all these different scenarios you have to plan for. And it's, it's really just chaos. And I think everybody involved in that process from the person picking it to the person responsible for relaying it to like the uh, game ops people, um, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so when you come down to the wire like that, you got to put in placeholders for like the game winning goal. And you know, once you hit the shootout, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> comes down to the shootout you know when they win who do you choose because you got to have that stuff loaded up so um it all got worked out it all got worked out and the the thing was cody glass was the deciding goal in the shootout Mm -hmm. and so it allowed us to allowed me to put him on that list which i was really excited about because yep i'd written an article about him and was (laughs) you know happy to see that he had something positive for us to talk about so cody's awesome yep so yeah. I'm today. Um, the, the three stars thing, by the way, for anyone who doesn't realize it is just a dog and pony show. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, not, not that it should, not that, it, not that you can't take it seriously, Sean. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is anybody who takes it seriously, like it really means something needs, doesn't need to worry about it because it is 100% for the home team to just, if they win, especially to trot out some of their players as like a way of saying uh, these, this was a fun event, wasn't it? And here's some of our players that did well. And if they lose, then it's like, you know, we don't care about the other team anyways, because we're the home team. So <laughs> it's just like, it, it doesn't really mean a whole lot, but it is kind of important to get it right. Right. I mean, you, you want the player who's out there as the number one star for it to make sense to people. And you can't just go by who had a great first period because that person might not be relevant anymore by the third. So, yeah. It's kind of a tricky thing. And um... I, I'll tell you, I, I can remember even, and it wasn't even the first time I had to do it, but whatever it was, like the, the defenders just had, they were responsible for most of the scoring. It was like a, it was like a five, it's like a five to nothing shutout or something like that. And I was, I was really jazzed up about the, the way the defenders had, had uh, played. And so I, I did all three of the stars of the game as defenders. And I was really happy about this. And, um, of course I, I get done and I was talking to my wife and she goes, what about the goaltender? It was a shutout. And I was like, Oh yeah. I messed that up. Too. Yeah, yeah. You gotta think about so, that. Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I, I did want to mention this as well. I had, uh, there was, I, I did hear. So, you know, the home team has the rights to kind of look, it's the job of the media to, to jump in there and give the three stars but the media doesn't really care about the three stars. So like, we don't really care about it. Sean, Sean cares. Sean, Sean's the exception. Sean is the exception, but most of 
most people don't. I remember one time last year, there was a, um, a media member. I will not mention who it was. In when the pre, I think the Preds won, and the number one star, I think he put the number one star as not a Preds player. <laughs> I or or maybe it was the second star. I don't know what it was, but it was some situation where like basically they came back to him and said, "Uh, could you change this to a Predators player since the team won?" And he was just this person was kind of like, "What? What?" And then, anyways. It was just kind of funny and it just exposed the whole thing. And I was like, you know what? This thing doesn't matter. Who cares? I'm just going to put some players that make sense, but let's move on because I, I want to talk about uh, more than just the three stars. I want to mention a couple things. Uh, and then on, on the schedule for today, I have Sean, I have a hockey rant. I have a rant that I'd like to, to go on in the second Ooh. half of the show. Well, that's exciting. I have a rant. I'm excited. Um, just a couple of things to point out over the last like few games, just some trends. Number one is UC Soros. His last five games, he's 4 0 1 with a 928 save percentage. Now, that to me suggests UC Soros is trending. He's not, that's not, that's not peak UC Soros, but that's going back to normal UC Soros. So I think, yes, I, exactly. I think the trend line for UC Soros is up, is going up. I am bullish on UC Soros right now. I think he's looking better. I think he's well on his way to being back on track. Don't know if he's going to be able to get back into the Vezina conversation. He dug himself a real big hole, but you never know. So UC Soros looking good. And Lankin in his backup also looking pretty good too. So good to see. The other thing is, speaking of players that were uh, in contention for awards last year, Roman Yossi. Two goals and seven assists, which would be nine points in his last seven games. He is back to uh, back to doing what he does, including a four-point game, and I believe that was the game against the Islanders. Did he have a four-point game against the Islanders? It's a great question. A four, four assist game. Off the top of my head. Pretty sure he had four assists in that game. Um, they were all early, weren't they? They scored a lot early in that game, so maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, like four-point period or something. The other thing I want to mention is an interesting development in terms of the defensive pairing. Speaking of defensemen, over the last four games, we have seen a stabilization of the defensive pairings, right? Yeah. Yes. And I think that that is very important. And if it sticks, which I, I feel like it probably should, that could be a, an important development for the team moving forward. And so the defensive pairings I'm talking about are Ryan McDonough with Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm with uh, with Alex Carrier, Carrier, and Jeremy Lozon with Dante Fabro, and those pairings have stuck for the last four games. That has not been the case for a while. They've kind of jumped around. So, what do you think about that? Do you do you like those pairings as they're working right now? I do like the pairings, and you know, I, I kind of look at the Predators specifically. I'm sure there are other teams out there as well, but I think the Predators play their best when they have. Uh, a defense that they know they can they can plant their feet on. You know, you think about building a house on a firm foundation. I think this team does its best when its defenders are <clears throat> kind of locked in. And I don't necessarily mean just playing at their top level. I mean, just they have the same guys out there every night. They know who's out there. They know what to get out of those pairings when they have them. And that's what allows the forwards to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So 
seeing that stabilization, I think is, is an encouraging thing. I, I have, you know, you said you were, you were bullish on UC Soros. I'm feeling a little more bullish on the team with them trending in that direction as well. Yeah. It's good to see. Um, and note that that coincides with an increase in offense for Roman Yossi. I think as, as I picture it, with Roman Yossi, no matter if he's on the left side or the right side, whoever, wherever he's at, he's going to activate. He's going to play on both sides. He's going to roam and do, go wherever he wants to go because he's allowed to. What what it what it allows is Ryan McDonough can really just be can can, can be a stabilizing force behind him, right? And yeah. and make those defensive reads, prevent the the, the quick transitions jump back and retrieve pucks in the defensive zone and feed them to Roman Yossi so he can get the play going the other way. That's important. I mean, I, I, I think that's, if that's the, if that's the pairing that sticks, I mean, that was like the last option for, in my mind, I, I did not see Roman Yossi and Ryan McDonough being a pair at all this year. I thought it was going to be McDonough and Ekholm all year, you know, and yeah. then may, maybe McDonough and someone else, but I thought Roman Yossi was just going to stick on that top line. But if this is the pairing that works, Go for it. I mean, that, it makes sense to me. And I, and I think, too, you know, it, it's funny because, like you said, this was kind of the last option in your mind. I mean, mine as well. And, and I think what's interesting about it is that the only thing that's changed for McDonough, he's still playing on the left side. That's been a, a consistent factor throughout the season is that no matter where McDonough's playing, he's playing on the left side. He hasn't changed anything but his partner. But it's the style of play that Yossi kind of brings to the ice when he's out there that allows him to focus on what his role is on the ice and play the game the way he knows how to play it instead of kind of expecting him to do a little bit more than he's used to doing. Not in a negative way, but you got to have people on the team that play the roles they're supposed to play. And being the guy that's paired with Roman Yossi is kind of a specific role. Now it does put Yossi on the right side but like you said he's going to roam he's going to activate it doesn't really matter which side you put him on he's going to do what he does and you can see what he does is get points yeah so yossi there it makes sense the defensive pairings i think will should stay there um <clears throat> you know I, I looked at the rankings where the predators sit in the rankings not not in the standings but like in their their rankings and offense defense and such uh man the, the offense is still just really struggling so they are they are 29th this was i pulled these numbers yesterday so it might be worse now 29th in in offense almost you know third worst in the league in offense 2.55 goals per game they're 15th in defense so their defense has been better than you'd think but that's still allowing 3.20 goals per game they're allowing more than they they generate uh, they have a negative goal differential. So that's, that's where the teams, I mean, they're a 500 team. Like that's, that's what's been happening. Um, their power play is 27th. So bottom five of the league, their penalty kill 11th near knocking on the top 10 in the penalty kill. So that's good to see. I mean, the penalty kill, I would say has been a strength. I mean, considering that they've had to kill off a lot of penalties, they've done a pretty good job. Um, Penalty kill is strong. And I, I watched them practice that today. So today at practice, they were working on special teams a lot. And, you know, with special teams work, you know, you get to work on both units at the same time. And uh, so the, the power play was doing a lot of like six on four and five on three stuff, and as well as just regular five on four. And the penalty kill was getting wins, man. Like they were, 
McCarron, Smith, Sissons. Actually, Sissons might have been on a power play. Uh, I'm pretty sure Tolvanen was on the penalty kill. <laughs> um, he wasn't on the power play. That. And uh, Glass was on the power play. Who else on the power play? Oh, P- Trennan. Trennan and Jano were on uh, um, penalty kill. But uh, anyways, all that's to say, I think the penalty kill is a strength right now. That's one of their strengths. They're, they can they can they can kill some penalties if they need to. Well, like you said, they'd gotten a lot of practice. Although I feel like there've been a lot less penalties taken in the more recent games, which is yeah. <clears throat> I'm sure something they've had a lot of conversations about because it was getting a little out of control there for a while. But I, yeah. I, I always go back to what <clears throat> I remember Matthias Ekholm saying. I think it was last season, maybe even the season before. You know, they expect to kill off you know two three penalties per game. It's not that the goal is to get no penalties. It's that you don't go too far over that two to three every night. So as long as you're seeing, you know, two to three penalties taken, you, you allow your penalty kill to do its job. When you start getting up into that four or five or God forbid, six, seven penalties a night category, you're, you're really putting a lot of, uh, a lot of work on the shoulders of that penalty kill unit. And it gets harder and harder to kill them as the night goes on. That's right. So the t- the team is the team likely could be pr- trending up. I, I said trending up in our in the the thing up there with a question mark. Perhaps trending up. If it is, it's very slight. It's not a major trend, but maybe trending up. We'll see where uh, they go on Tuesday. Um, before we move on, Sean, I had a question. Okay. Have you started decorating for Christmas at your house? Oh, Alex, I'm going to tell you what. That's that's kind of the. Uh... It's kind of the hot button topic around the house is how long can I avoid the deluge of Christmas decorations coming down from the attic and going up outside? We we started a process um, a couple of years ago, and uh, I just want to point out that that um, I'm fully supportive of this and I love decorating for Christmas. But um, <laughs> we're we're turning our house outside into a gingerbread house, so you can imagine that that's a lot of work there's candy canes to be hammered into the ground there's giant popcorn garland to be made and strung and of course once you get all the outside stuff done guess what happens you've got to bring 1600 totes down from the attic all the way downstairs to be put out in the house um you know what that does alex it's a lot of work and you know what happens at the end of the day what happens what happens what i need to relax the back alex if you want to live better Feel better and sleep better every day. You need to check out the Relax the Back store. And I'm going to say this. They have tons of customized comfort options for the office, for relaxing at home, and for sleeping at night. Ergonomic office chairs, zero gravity chairs, all perfect for getting your spine in the correct position so you can work better every day. You want to talk about recovery? My back's hurting. They also have quality recovery options. If you've been injured or you're just recovering from a workout, or putting up all of your Christmas decorations. They've got massage chairs, recliners, foot massagers, back massagers, all of it right there in the store. You can see the store on the screen right now. They've just redone it. It looks incredible. It's it's one of the most wonderful stores to step into. Even without relaxing the back, you feel more relaxed anyway. <laughs> so you've got to check all of it out at the Relax the Back store in Green Hills. Go to 2020 Glen Echo Road right there in Green Hills. Sleep agent is on hand every day. Talk to Glenn, who owns the store, about the four pillars of wellness. Healthy sleep, healthy body, healthy work, and healthy mind. Well done. Thank you, Sean. Relax the back is awesome. All right. 
I've got to get to this rant. Okay, I'm ready for it. So I strap I, on my seatbelt. <laughs> I, I I really debated whether to talk about this, and it actually relates in a similar way, in a small way, to something I wrote about and published a little bit ago, okay. um, which I'll I'll mention at the end. Uh, it, we're recording this on Monday night. I published something at around four o'clock this afternoon that I'd like to just mention at the end, but. Um, I would like to talk, and I said this is a hockey rant, not necessarily a Preds rant, although there is a Preds connection here and a Preds, it relates to the Preds. But my hockey rant is about what it actually takes to play this game. <laughs> and and what I think is a common misconception about um, kind of what hockey players are supposed to be, or, or maybe maybe the right way to play. That is a, that is a, a refrain that you hear from John Hines a lot, right, Sean? Like the, what's the right way to play? You know, is that, that guy plays the game the right way. You hear that a lot. Always. Yeah. And I think for a lot of fans, that's probably confusing. And I don't really understand what it meant, what it, what it means, or maybe they just think it's coach speak and it, it kind of is, but I just wanted, okay. So here's what happened. I went and played in a three on three hockey tournament on Friday. Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, a Turkey tournament, lot of fun really really great turnout there were like five teams there so i got to play four games uh all in uh, all in one night really fun i was on a free agent team which means i met my teammates like five minutes before the game and had no idea who they were so like our first two games were pretty rough if you can imagine like you know imagine going to play pickup basketball and you don't even know who you guys are who your teammates are and you don't even know what their skills are (laughs) so we were pretty rough first two games we lost by the third game, we kind of got it together. We only lost by a couple goals, and then we won our final game. I bet if we had kept playing all night, played a few more games, we probably could have started dominating because we were we had some good players. Um, but my rant has more to do with playing styles, and and it's kind of why I think Preds fans kind of maybe just need to relax a little bit when it comes to certain like lineup decision. Maybe look if you're a fan and you want to whine about lineups. Go for it. it. That is, you're right. If you don't like a certain lineup decision or a certain person that's in the lineup, I, I'm not going to stop you. I just think you should really maybe think about playing styles. You know, there's all kinds of different playing styles, right? There's goal scorers, there's there's playmakers, there's role players, there's big beefy guys, there's small wiry fast guys, there's guys that can really, you know, get up and down the ice. There's guys that are going to hit hit the crap out of you. But like ultimately, this game is just about battling. It's about winning sort of a one-on-one battle or winning a, a, a close battle for the puck as many times as you can. And as soon as you win one, you got to go win another one. And you got to win another one after that. And it's constant, constant battling. It never stops. Your, your 30-second, one-minute, one-and-a-half-minute, two-minute shift is constantly battling for the puck especially in this three on three setting that I was in. I mean, it is, it's even more there, but it, full ice too. I mean, like you are, you are never really in a situation where you're not battling and, and not just battling for the puck, but battling for position, right? And if you're, if the other team has the puck and it's on the far end and the far defenseman and you're a left winger, you've got to battle for position. You got a guy coming down the wing. You need to get in front of him and block that pass or, you know, potential pass. So it's, it's about battles. And so when you go out there and you, do those you you battle for for every chance you get and then you have a teammate that doesn't do that boy 
does it drive you nuts? And it, you notice it immediately. So I'm just going to say, we had a guy on our team that just did not want to like work hard at all. Maybe it was the setting. He didn't care. It was a tournament. Who cares? It's post Thanksgiving. He's just there to drink a beer and play some hockey. But I mean, you know, it's, I'd still like to win. That's like to try hard. And so when you're out there battling and you're, you come off the ice and you're dead every time you can't, you can hardly breathe. And this other guy just kind of comes off and he's kind of fresh as a daisy and doesn't really seem to, he only really came off the ice because the other guy wanted to come on, you know, that kind of thing. Not fun. Um, your team, so here's ultimately what I wanted to say. Your, your teammates, they know when you're not battling. The opponents know when you're not battling. When you're not competing and really working hard, when your work rate goes down and your intensity slackens, everybody else notices. You think they don't notice, they notice. Thoughts on that? I'll connect it to the Preds in a second, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, I, again, I'll I'll go on record once more saying that I have never played hockey. However, my son plays hockey. I watch him practice constantly. We're always going to different tournaments and uh, different cities to play against other teams. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> there's something to be said that you hear a lot of a, a lot of players, you know, uh, compliment teammates that maybe don't have the flashiest, uh, you know, numbers or the flashiest, you know, box scores because um, he's a guy you can count on to do the right thing. And mm -hmm. I think about, I think about what Zach LaRue said when he had this meeting with the team before they decided to draft him. So that if two guys go into the corner for a loose puck, I'm going to be the guy that comes out with the puck every time. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want to see, even at the eight U hockey level, the kids that are going to kind of rise up the ranks as far as, you know, who's going to be out there when the game is on the line out there, when they need to take an important uh, face off in the defensive zone, things like that. It's going to be the kids that are willing to fight for that puck every time. Um, and, 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 and I would put it like this. I think that you should fight and this goes for any sport. You should fight harder. I'm not talking about physical fights. I'm talking about competing. You should compete harder for your teammates than you would for yourself. Yeah. Whatever level that is to what you would compete for yourself, it needs to be more for your teammates. And in a sport like hockey, it is paramount. You have to do that because when you, when you work harder for your teammate and they work harder for you, it just, it just, it creates an, an, uh, uh, a mindset that the other team notices like the other team realizes like, Oh man, this team really wants to win. This team really, there are no easy battles here. I can't go anywhere and have any kind of edge over this other team, even if they're not, even if their skills not there. And so I think that when, when this particular guy that I played with, he wanted to just shoot. That's all he wanted to do. He, he, shoot from wherever want to try to score goals from wherever, whatever, fine. Um, uh, and, and so Two, two things I was going to bring up. One is uh, there were times where I was on a line with, I, I didn't really play with this guy a whole lot, but like I was on a line with someone and was, I mean, I, I was playing a lot. I was playing back a lot. So I was like winning pucks and feeding this guy the puck and he was going and scoring goals. And then um, he wanted to, he wanted to play with me. He said, well, let's put us together because I think I'm going to, we'll have a better chance. 
And I was like, I didn't say anything, but I was like, I mean, I know why, because he didn't want to be with this other guy because the other guy never passed. And then later in the game, I had a, uh, I had a, I kind of broke in and fed this guy a pass. Look, I'm just, I'm not, I'm going to be honest. It was one of the best passes I've ever made in this three on three. <laughs> I fed him. I, I made a, I came in on the left side. I made a drop pass kind of right on his tape, right in the middle of the ice. He one touch and he scored. I'm talking about the guy that I didn't like playing with. He scored. Not one. He didn't say one thing to me. He didn't say nice pass. He didn't say, oh, that was great. Nice job. I don't need that. I'm just saying like, that's kind of how this guy was. He just kind of scored the goal and did his little thing and then went back. So it really, really is not fun playing with those guys. And so I wanted to connect it to something I wrote today. So I, I wrote a kind of a longer piece, not something I normally do, but I wrote it on Cole Smith. And I think that Cole Smith is a, a computer. He's a grinder. He's a guy that he is low skilled. He said that about himself. He, he called himself low skilled or maybe said underskilled. I don't know. One of the two, but he, he said that about himself. And, but he, what he does is he compete, competes hard for his teammates. He does everything he can to win the puck for everyone else around him. And I think that's why he has some of the best underlying metrics, some of the best shot-based metrics on the team because he's working so hard for his teammates and playing such good defensive hockey that it's creating fewer chances that his teammates have to deal with and also more chances for them to go score at the other end. So if you'd like to check it out, go to azsports.com, read it there. Uh, you'll learn something about Cole Smith in that in that piece if you can read it. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna say I I've already read the article. Um, I got the opportunity to see it along with everybody else out there, but I, I wanted to take the time to read it as quickly as I could. Uh, incredible piece of writing. I'm not just saying that because we're on a podcast together, but I think it's interesting that you know <clears throat> he's someone that's been fairly polarizing. I wouldn't say polarizing because there's not many taking the other side, you know, he's been <laughs> really kind of been unifying yeah. uh, the right. ire of, of Preds fans, I guess I could say, uh, who's kind of turned into the whipping boy this season and it hasn't seemed merited. I mean, you know, I, I've pointed out several times that he's whiffed or Craig Smith several opportunities. And I was really making that comparison because they're both C Smiths. So it was kind of interesting, but you know, I didn't even you, think about get, that. I don't yeah, know why well, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. You would probably well, notice that first because of the Smith thing. So. Well, I'm going to say I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Um, you know, uh -huh. and I'm never going to complain about being in the same uh, wait area here with with Roman Yossi because you know two handsome guys and on one side of the page can't go wrong. Uh -huh. But um, I feel like we've got Cole Smith over there under you making an appearance for the first time on the graphic, and I, I feel uh -huh. like it should have been this should have been the Smith corner over here. Yeah, um, I, I, you're right. I, but I wanted to give it some balance. You know, we have Smith's on one side, Smith's on the other. Now you, now you're, you're more, you're covering more area. Well, well, I guess it's just, now there's just a, a whole lot of handsome over here on this half of the screen. So, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I think the, 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 one of the takeaways from that was uh, from, from what, from me, from writing it was, um, I think we've gotten away from kind of what the true role player is on a, on a hockey team. I mean, that, that was a really, that was like a prototypical nineties thing for, for to, ha to have these role players, whether it was an, uh, an enforcer or whether it was a checking line, like that was just every 90, every hockey team in the nineties and 
probably part of the 2000s, like loved the role player. I mean, that was like a big, big part of, of designing a hockey team. And we got away with it or got away from it because people fell in love with the, the elite, you know, goal scorers. I mean, like for good reason. I mean, those players are, you, you need them to win Stanley cups. You know, when Ovechkin and Crosby came along and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and that whole crew, like that, you know, I, I feel like the, there was more of an emphasis on, okay, now you need to go get an elite talent like Economic David and then you'll be a good hockey team. And I just feel like there's enough of a role, you know, take, take for example, the Washington Capitals. Alex Ovechkin, huge elite goal scorer, Hall of Famer, might break Wayne Gretzky's record. But Devontae Smith Pelly was a big part of that playoff run. Yeah. That's a role player. That's a typical role player right there. I mean, it, there were there were players on the team that, um, that had that had roles that were not about goals goal scoring. They were about competing to win, competing to win for your teammates. Coached by a very, um, coached by Barry Trotz to to be that kind of team. So, anyways, I just think that that is something that a lot of fans have kind of forgotten about. And is a is an important part of hockey that should be should be should be they should be reminded of. I know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna add one thing here, and I know I've been talking a while. The, the complaint that Cole Smith is taking Philip Tomasino's roster spot is a valid one. I would agree with you. Philip Tomasino needs to be in Nashville. I just don't know that he needs to take Cole Smith out of the roster right now, out of the lineup. Um, some other guys have not been producing quite as well. I mean, like. I don't know if Colton Sissons hasn't really been exactly like Colton Sissons. I'm not saying bench him for Tomasino, but there's, there's probably other places you could fit uh, a Tomasino in and, um, and not, yeah. I mean, I like him, but like a Michael McCarron, like I, I think you could probably do without a Michael McCarron rather than put Tomasino in that role. Just saying that's, that's one guy. I don't know if it's necessarily him, but that's kind of my thoughts right now. Well, uh, I want to add to that. I, I want to, kind of ask a question here because it's a leading question. So just tell me what you think and then get out of the way. Cause I got more coming, but you know, the complaint I think early on about say the fourth line, this season was that it didn't seem like a line that was expected to produce a lot of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the kind of the, the outcry was, well, why can't we get a young skilled line out there? Why can't we get a, a line with Cody glass and Ellie Tolvanen or, or Philip Tomasino mm-hmm. to play together on that fourth line. They'll, you know, they'll play sheltered minutes there. They can learn to be defensively responsible, but they can also develop chemistry. Um, you know, do you think that was kind of the, kind of the issue at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Yeah. That would, okay. that would, that would, along with other things, that was part of the problem. So let's, let's say that, you know, and I've seen this pop up a couple of times, where you've got Cole Smith playing on the fourth line, but you've also got Cody Glass playing on the fourth line, Ellie Tolvanen playing on the fourth line. At that point, doesn't it seem like you've got two younger, highly skilled offensive playmakers playing with a guy that is going to go out and demonstrate not only the work ethic or the 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 mindset that Heinz is looking for, but also someone who can create space for those guys to go do the things they need to do to be the offensive powerhouses. Everybody wants them to be. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think so. 
I, I think the I think the problem really is and why Tomasino's not here is because they they just want to plug him into a top six role. And I think Yuso Parson took that chance away from Tomasino. I think it's less about the bottom six and what they want that to be, and more about he's log jammed because they want him to they want to squeeze him into a top six spot. No, I get that. I, I just think and, and I mean not really focusing on why Tomasino is still in Milwaukee, but more so you know, you don't have to have a third offensive powerhouse on oh, a line yeah. if you've got someone like Cole Smith out there doing the work of getting the puck out of the corners and doing the work of, of drawing I, guys away from the play. Yes, but I still think on a line, I think you still do need, you know, if Cole Smith's doing that work and 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 let's let's think here about skill sets and like abilities. Smith has a little bit more speed and that over McCarron actually quite a bit more speed over McCarron. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe a more puck skills. I mean, McCarron's got a crazy reach. I mean, he can, he's got some long arms and he's a big dude, big size, but like, you know, what if Cole Smith was playing with the Tomasino? Now there are people on Twitter who would be like, no, that's terrible. But like, that's what you kind of need. You need a, a little balance. Smith's a left winger. He fits perfectly in that left wing role, that traditional kind of left wing defensively responsible role shipping pucks out and finding finding guys to feed into the offensive zone like a Tomasino who should be able to create for himself and if they're playing if the center on that line is a Cody Glass that's offense Glass and Tomasino with Cole Smith playing back that's fine that's a good line I, I would I would try that okay yeah I mean I I just I think I don't know I just think it's interesting that I think a lot of the complaint was focused on first wanting a more offensively yeah. talented fourth line. But as the the kind of makeup of that line has kind of shifted a little bit, it seems like it's, it's headed toward that direction while you still have someone like Cole Smith yeah. out there. Yes. But Correct. people are still viewing him in such a negative light that I don't think they can see the positive um, things that would come from having him on that line. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. That's that's yeah. We're on the same page there. I think so. And it's, it's um, important that we always agree. Always. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to just throw this out there. I, I think that, that part of part of my research in this, well, part of my work to, to, to do this Cole Smith thing was this tweet that I sent out about, um, guess who this is? Did you see this? Yeah. So I, I made this tweet that was like, basically, guess who this Nashville skater is? And it's like all these really good numbers, right? 53% shot attempts, 57% expected goals and all that. And the, the get, I was, I was, you know, ideally I was like, I'm imagining people are going to throw out other names other than Cole Smith. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. And the names that they threw out were very surprising. And I was like, Oh, people are really thinking that this people are assuming this person is a, a really productive player. Tanner Janot, Yuso Parson, Ryan Johansson. Um, someone said Nino Niederreiter. Someone, a couple of people said, Nino Niederreiter. a couple of people said Granlund. Um, no one said like Forsberg or Yossi, which is not surprising, but like people were, if you see those numbers, you would assume that that's a guy that's producing. I just thought it was interesting. And I think that that kind of proves what I'm saying is look, his goal based numbers are bad. He is not a very good goal scorer. He probably will never be. He's underskilled or low skilled. He's not, he's not going to be a goal scorer, but you don't have to be, not everybody has to be an elite goal scorer if they're doing other things well. So, and well, not to I mean, mention his work on the penalty kill, 
he really, you know, John Hines throws him out there for defensive play or defensive situations a lot. So, yeah. But how many, how many teams can you point to and say, um, you know, this team throughout the course of the season had every forward or all 12 of their main, you know, starters at, at forward score, you know, 15 plus goals. I mean, it doesn't yeah, not happen many. That often, I mean, like, does it? I mean, I think the diff, I think the difference most people would say is at the top anyways. I mean, the Colorado yeah. Avalanche have four or five elite players. Yeah. McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, Kale McCarr. I'm probably forgetting one. There's four right there. Those four Caves. players are better than the top four players on the Preds. They're better than Forsberg, Granlin, Duchesne, Johansson, if that's, or Yossi. That, they just are. They're, they're way better, actually. So, yeah, I mean, that's the difference. Like, their, their top core is way better. Their bottom six, the, their bottom six is not that much better than the Nashville Predators' bottom six. It's like a little better, maybe, but not, not that much. Same thing with like, you know, the really good teams, even the, the Oilers. I mean, their their top is with McDavid and Dreisaitl is unstoppable if they get going. Unstoppable. Best yeah. in the league. Their bottom six, I mean, after Nugent Hopkins, it's like, I, I, there's, not, there's, not, there's not really a comparison. And so, yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right that, that the, there's a lot of bottom sixes out there that look a lot like the Nashville Predators bottom six that don't put up 20, 25 goals. No. And if they are, then they're probably not as solid, as solid defensively as you think. So back, back at the beginning of the season, when everyone was, was, uh, you know, slinging, slinging, you know, hurling mud at poor Cole Smith. uh, I I made the comment. I don't know if it was on this podcast. I don't know if I wrote it in an article. I don't know if I was just talking to the wall. I'm not really sure, but at some point I said, you know, I'm going to stick with this, that, I don't think the Predators' problems can be pinned on one guy. I don't think you can point to a guy on the team and say, this guy right here, he's the reason that the Predators aren't winning. I think it's an overall commitment to playing the style of game that they can be successful at. And, you know, when you see guys that are, say, getting benched for the third period or, you know, uh, not playing every night, I think (laughs) – I think that's what they're looking for is they want to see that commitment. And that commitment isn't going out and making elite plays and, and you know, being a uh, 40 goal scorer. It's going out and, like you said, doing what the team needs you to do in order to, to create space or to win some kind of advantage or those small victories that you've got to you've got to have over the course of the night to put your team in the best position to win. Um mm-hmm. Once they commit to that, that's that's where you start to see them thrive. But yeah. as long as you still have that where it's not happening at the level they expect, you're going to keep getting those middling or low to middling results. Yeah. Um, one other team I was going to throw out there for an example of what you were talking about a second ago, the Dallas Stars. Okay. Their, their, top, their, their top line with Jason Robertson, Jamie Benn, Joe Pavelski, and Tyler Sagan, and Mar- Mason Marchment, Rope Hints. That's a great top six. I mean, that is probably that might be the, that's probably the best top six in the central division right now. I mean, after that, there's not much there. I mean, there's there's like I mean, Luke Glendinning and Roddick Fox is still playing there. Um, uh-huh. Wyatt Johnson's a good rookie, but he's still a rookie. He's got five goals as a rookie. Um, Ty Delandrea. I mean, these are these are like fine players, but like th- these are not. The, these are equivalent to a, a Tanner Janot and a Jakob yeah. Trinan and a Colton Sissons 
and dare I say it, a Cole Smith. Maybe Cole Smith's more of a, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not going to make a good comparison here, but like, I don't know, this, so, someone on the stars is probably a, a comparable Cole Smith. Like, that's not where the difference is. The difference is Jason Robertson is insane. He's an insane player. He's He would be the best player yeah. on the Predators right now. Be the best player on a lot of teams right now. Exactly. Like Alex, let me, let me ask you a question. You, you've brought you've brought this up, and now it's made me it's made me think. Who is your favorite player to watch play hockey? Current player playing currently playing hockey to watch outside of the Predators. Who's your favorite player to watch play? Uh, outside of the it has to be outside of the Predators. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to tell you mine while you think? Yeah. It's Leon Dreisaitl. Okay. Past that, it's Robertson. That kid is incredible. I, I, I could watch both of those guys play all day. I, I think mine's mine's probably McDavid. I I don't think you, I could I could I don't think I could ever get tired of watching McDavid, no matter what he's no. doing. I, I think the 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 speed and the puck skills are just too insane. No, he's as he's someone incredible. who as someone who follows a hundred different hockey instagram profiles and i just watch hockey stuff and like training videos and like little skill trick shot stuff i mean that mcdavid is a constant just like skill machine and like every single video of mcdavid i'm like trying to slow it down and watch how he's doing what he's doing and it's insane and like there's a video sounds creepy but it's not there's a video of like a 14 15 year old Connor mcdavid training for hockey I don't um, you've seen this. It's like nuts. I mean, it's like at 14 year old Connor McDavid would score 25 goals in the NHL right now. Oh yeah. If you, if you had, if you had a kid that you were, you, if you had a child involved in hockey and they were, they were learning hockey, they were on a team, they wanted to be good. They were, they were bought in, if you will, whose videos would you show them and say, Hey, this is, this is who you need to watch. Would it be McDavid? Well, I actually, that's a different question. I don't know that I would. I don't know that I would steer them that direction just because like, he's a freak like that. Th- he's an absolute freak. Like th- that's kind of a, not the expectation. I would probably show him something more like, I don't know. I, I, would, pro- I would probably try to find honestly, maybe like someone like a, this is not necessarily the player, but like Yuso Parson and like the, how, how hard he works. Right. I mean like every shift is like a, a battle. Right. Right. Uh, Trying try to f- maybe find someone like that. Cause you want to, you want to instill a sense of like, you've got to work hard every shift. If, if right. it's your kid, you want them to know this is not going to be easy. You need this. You need to work hard. Every single shift is going to be a battle and you're going to have to, you're going to come off the ice dead every time. It's not going to yeah. be deking eight times around a defenseman and scoring a sick goal. You know? Right. When I, when I talked to my son's hockey coach, he, he uh, made the comment and we were talking about Parson and I asked if he had a chance to see him play. And he oh. said, you know, he's just, he's one of those, uh, what did he say? He's like, he's just one of those finished players. He's like, and finished players, 99% of the time they do the right thing every time. Yeah. And, right. and I passed that on to my son. I was like, well, this is what your coach said about Parson is what he said about finished players. And yeah. um, I want to say we are decidedly not finished, but uh, after his last practice, he got off the ice and he came to me and he said, was I a finished player today? Nice. And I was like, son, cool. today you were a fin. And he, he felt really cool. good about himself. All right. We need to wrap this up. Let's quickly talk about this week. The Predators play the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday. They go to New Jersey on Thursday and then they go to the Islanders the next day on Friday. 
Um, and then that's all for this week. So three games this week. Stay tuned for announcements on the postponed games. I have a feeling they're going to be soon rather than later. I don't know. That's just a guess. But, um, but until then, uh, you can check out all of our Preds coverage at A2ZSports.com. Check it out there. Follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Sean on Twitter at SCSNSH. And until next time, 